You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. And a good word it is. Stonegate, you may have a seat there where you are. <clears throat> How is everyone today? We good? All right. Uh, well, it is good to have you today, and if you are new with us today, it's such a joy to be able to have you and to worship Jesus with you and really just to have a few minutes where we're turning our gaze upon uh, the person of Jesus together. So we're so grateful you're here. What, what we are and what we do is really simple around here. We enjoy Jesus and we make disciples, and we're just excited to have you as a part of that work in and around here. We would just love to have your help as we do that. And one thing that would be great if we could get from you today is in the seat back in front of you is a connect card. It's a, just a green card that says connect on the top of it. And if you'll just make sure you fill that card out at some point during the service, at the end of the service, we'll pass around an offering basket. And if you'll just make sure that card gets in that basket, or even better, you can take it to the connect center on the other side of that wall right there in the lobby. And they'll exchange that for a gift. So if you would do that for us, it would help us follow up with you and serve you going forward, which we would just love to be able to do. So that would be great. Um, okay, so as you're turning to Acts chapter 13, that's where you need to be, Acts chapter 13, uh, you know, there are some Sunday mornings that are out of the ordinary for a church family, and this is one of those Sunday mornings that are, that's, that's not the ordinary sort of thing that we do. Uh, but there are moments in the life of a church where the Lord is doing certain things in this particular moment where you need to carve out a Sunday and just give a whole Sunday morning uh, to lay out that story so that you know that story and can be invited into that story. So this is a Sunday that is out of the norm. Uh, that we want to, to make sure we are just updating you on just some really remarkable things the Lord's doing in and around our church family. And, and this is one of those Sundays where we're just carving out the Sunday to do that. But at the same time, I want you to recognize that it's an abnormal Sunday. So we're going to have a little bit of looking back this year, uh, back into 2019, and then looking forward to 2020, some of the things that are, are around our church family happening in and around our church family right now. So in light of that, let me just jump in uh, by, by starting uh, here. It's amazing to think that God is writing a story, and it's an amazing story. It's, it's the greatest of all stories. Every great story that you have ever heard in your life is in some ways borrowing from the great epic story that God is writing. It's the story of God coming in the person of his beloved son, Jesus, to reverse the curse, to live for us, die for us, rise from the dead, to reverse the curse, to redeem for himself a peoples, a bride, the church of every nation, tongue, and tribe. And, you know, it's important to know that that story that God is writing is bigger than your life, my life, even our lives collectively. The story that God is writing is as big as the universe. It's bigger than just people. It's universe-wide. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about how even the creation is, is waiting with longing for the redemption of the sons of God. Like even the rocks and the wind cry out for the renewal and restoration that Jesus brings, that the story is as big as the universe itself. And what's so amazing about this story that God is writing is that God invites normal, ordinary people like you and me into the story. Isn't that amazing to think about? The, the biggest story that there's ever been, the greatest story that ever that there's ever been, that God is inviting us in, that God writes us into that story. 
you can't help but when you read the Bible to see how God writes us into the story. In Genesis chapter 12, he taps Abraham on the shoulder and says, Abraham, I've got a role for you to play. I'm writing you in. I've got things for you to do, Abraham. Let's do it. Abraham says yes. Uh, You read in the New Testament, uh, the Lord taps Paul on the shoulder. Paul was a persecutor of Jesus turned lover of Jesus. Taps Paul on the shoulder. Paul, I've got some things for you to do. I'm writing you into the story, Paul. And Paul's just, he's there and saying yes. And and, and God looks at him and says, okay, we're going to get the gospel out to the Gentiles. Like all of us virtually in the room. We're going to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Paul, I've got churches for you to plant. I've got things for you to do. I've got pastors for you to raise up. Paul, let's get about doing that work. He taps Peter on the shoulder. Peter, I've got um, some stuff for you. I'm writing you into the story, Peter. Uh, Peter, you're going to be right here in Jerusalem. You're going to be taking the good news of Jesus where it is known, and you're going to press it down so it's deeper and wider where it is known. Peter, you're going to pastor this church. You're going to help this church. You're going to be a part of doing that right here. I've got things for you to do, Peter. This is our God that you see throughout the Scriptures. He's looking at, at just normal people like you and me, and he writes us into the story. He invites us into the story. He looks at us and says, I'm writing this epic story, and I've got a part for you to play. I'm writing you into this story. Uh, think about David. You remember King David in the Old Testament? David was tending sheep out in the middle of nowhere, and God comes to him in the person of Samuel and says, David, I've got a part for you to play. I'm writing you into the story, David. So come and and, and play a part. I've got an amazing couple of roles for you to play, some amazing things for you to do. Um, Here's Goliath. The entire Israelite army is terrified of Goliath. Everyone is terrified, sans David. David's not terrified. He goes and he's a part of this thing that God wants him to do. David goes from overseeing a flock of sheep to overseeing the entire people of Israel as their king. God looks at David and says, David, I've got a part for you to play. Come on into the story. And David says, yes, I'm in. You just, you just tell me what, when, and where. And I am there. Yes, God. Then we get to 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And it says, Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and then 33 years in Jerusalem. David had his time in the story. God wrote him into the story. He had had his time in the story, and then oh so soon, David died. He died. He fell asleep. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible, favorite sentences in the Bible, is another place in the Bible where it addresses David's death, and it's in Acts chapter 13. Verse 36, Paul is in the middle of a sermon and he's making a point about Jesus. So what he says about uh, David is a tangential point. So he's making a point about Jesus and he uses David to do that. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, commenting on David's death, Paul says this, for David. So he's just looking back over David's life and he says, for, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. Let me just give a couple of observations from that verse. Look at those words, that that little phrase, in his own generation. David didn't live forever. 
His part, of the, the story wasn't about David, it's about Jesus. So like all the characters that, Jesus, or that God writes in around Jesus, we're just on the stage for a short amount of time. We're just a brief little window of time in his own generation. David didn't have forever in the story. He had his one single little life in his own generation. His life was short. He reigned for about 40 years. He just a very short little life. His life was like a vapor and then it vanished. In his own generation, his one short little life, but, but with his single little life, notice that phrase, David, he served the purpose of God. God invited him into the story. God gave him a part to play. He wrote in things for David to do. And David gave the, the one small little vapor of his life to serve those purposes. He said, God, whatever you want, whatever you want from me, yes, God. Now, don't we all want our life to count like that? Don't we all want to take the small vapor of our life and to invest it into the things that matter most? to take everything God's entrusted to us, our time, our talents, our gifts, our treasure, everything that he has given to us and, and to leverage those, use those for the purposes of God. Don't we all want that? Aren't we all about that? Don't we want that to be said about every one of our lives? Like, uh, picture that day that's coming sooner than we think where you are laid to rest. Your body is, is lowered in a grave and someone's gonna be standing up talking about you. Don't we want them to be able to say in that moment, just fill in the blank with your name, this person, this person right here, they serve the purpose of God in their generation. I just can't tell you how badly I want that. Just what a deep stewardship I feel to, to take every day and invest it in to the purposes of the Lord. I can't tell you what a, what a deep yearning I have for that to be true of your life. And for that to be true of our life collectively as a church family, for us to be able to say we have spent our days together for the, for the purposes of God. Man, I want that so badly. So, so let me take just a moment. I want to just apply this corporately for a moment uh, to our church family. And I want us to take a moment to look back over the last year uh, of our church's life, over 2019. If I had to sum up 2019 in just a simple phrase, this would be the simple phrase I would use. 2019 was a year of explosive fruitfulness. A year of explosive, it, it was a, it's been a really crazy, abnormal year in the life of any church. It's been an amazing year. We, we actually gave you, uh, on your way in, you should have gotten a handout like this. It just says an annual report for 2019 on it. And, and this is, in some ways, just a way for you to be able to flip through here, just to celebrate with us and with God of the things that he is doing in and around our church family. It's been an amazing, amazing year. Um, I enjoy gardening. I don't know how many other fellow gardeners I have out there. Um, but let me just work a gardening imagery for a second. A gardening imagery. If you picture our church as a vine, as a plant, just picture our church as a, as a living vine. It's, it's this living plant that's rooted in Jesus, getting its nourishment from Jesus. Last year, if our church was a vine, it was a plant. It was a church that just exploded in growth last year. I mean, it's really remarkable. We, we grew by about 100% over the last year. That, that, that's been the last year of our church. We've just seen 
person after person meet Jesus. We've seen person after person plug into community where they're known and cared for. It, it's been that sort of a year. And if you just flip a couple pages into that annual report, uh, just look a couple pages into baptisms. And just look at some of the faces who this year, and this is just some of them, who have met Jesus this year. I mean, the Lord has been doing some extraordinary things in and around our church family. And just to give you a sample and a sense of that, we're giving you this annual report. And we wanted to allow some of our ministry directors to just talk a little bit about what they've seen over the last year. So take a look at this video and enjoy just some of what the Lord's been up to. 2019's been an amazing year, hasn't it? Yeah, there's a lot to thank God for there. <clears throat> so we want to invite you to peruse that annual report, just thanking God for the various things that he has been up to and doing in and around the life of our church. And you know, when any uh, plant, right, the, the vine of a church, when any, when any church grows in an exponential way, if you think about that gardening analogy, there's a lot of work that has to be done in and around the garden. And in a lot of ways, that's what we're doing in 2020. So much of, of what we have in front of us is the gardening work of tending to the garden and the vine that the Lord has, has blessed us with. And so when we think about 2020, here's a couple of the things that we know is in front of us. We, we know this work lies before us. 2020 is a year to nourish the vine to nourish the vine. Every day when our pastors and staff and our ministry leaders, when we wake up, th this is what we're thinking. H how do we care for the vine? H how do we care for the people of Stonegate? How do we equip the people of Stonegate to, to make disciples and to do the work of ministry? We're constantly thinking about how do we tend to the vine of our church? So that's through Sunday mornings. That's through our groups. That's through our care classes, our equip classes, our kids ministry, our student ministry. E every component of our church is trying to, trying to ask that question. How do, how do we tend to the vine of our church? Now, let me make one just personal application for all of us in the room. If you are new to our church family, it's so important that you jump into the lanes that can help make you healthy, that can help the vine of our church be healthy. And the first thing is making sure you're in a group. If you're not in a group, that would be a great thing for you to take that step right now in this season of our church's life. Uh, in the month of February, we have a thing called Group Sync. It is a way to plug in uh, new group leaders to, to new people in our church family. It's the best way to kind of find that group. And so that's going to start in February. You can, uh, you can register by going to stonegate.church, go to upcoming events, and you'll see the group sync there. But that starts in just a few weeks, and it would be a great step for you to take in 2020 to make sure our vine is healthy, to make sure you're being cared for. Uh, we also have some of our care classes. Uh, we have a marriage care class coming up in February. And for many of us in the room, we should, we should jump into that. But we've got little cracks in our marriage that it would serve you and your marriage in such great ways to be a part of that. We also have our financial care class coming up in February um, to teach us how, how do we become good stewards of all that God has entrusted to us. And so make sure you're taking advantage of those sorts of things. Here's what we want 2020 to be. We want it to be a year where our church is healthy, growing in a healthy way, where you as a person, you as a part of our church family are enjoying Jesus and making disciples. So make sure you're taking advantage of those ways that we can do that. Groups, marriage care, financial care. So 2020 is a year to nourish the vine. It's also a year for us to build more trellis for the vine of our church. Have you ever seen a plant grow up through a trellis? Uh, there's going to be a picture up on the screen for you. Uh, that, that's a plant growing through a trellis. Now, what is that trellis there to do? It, a trellis is like bones for a plant. 
Uh, the trellis gives um, a structure to the living, breathing plant to grow around and, and be supported by. And as any church grows, as the vine of that church grows, that trellis has to be continually built and rebuilt to care for and to provide the appropriate structure uh, for that church. Uh, the mission doesn't change, but the methods, the trellis, continually has to change to support that vine. So new parts of the trellis have to be built and rebuilt, new sections added. And that is so much of the work of 2020. Every one of our ministry leaders are, are in that, that season of, of building more and better trellis. It's developing new leaders, raising up new leaders, sending new leaders into all of our ministries, building the trellis. So that as the Lord sends us the next round of people, we as a church family will be in a place where we can healthfully receive them and minister to them. But, but us right now, we have to be a part of that trellis building. So let me just apply that in a really personal way. If this is your church family, it is imperative that, that like soon you find that place in our church where you can begin to use your gifts, what God has put in you for the building up of the body. You, for you to find that place where you can serve. That's, that if we're going to build trellis and be ready for the next round of people the Lord is going to send us, then we all have to be using our gifts to, to build up the body by, by serving. So 2020 is a year to build more trellis. And thirdly, 2020 is a year to provide more space for the vine. More space for the vine. So think back with me, that gardening imagery. Before you plant a vine in the garden, you're first going to think, well, I need to know how big that vine is going to be. I need to know how much space it requires. And as soon as you figure that out, you clear out the, the, the space around where you're going to plant that vine so that as the vine grows, it has, uh, it has space to grow into. Right? That's, that's part of gardening work. And, and as you're gardening, you're continually adjusting. Oh, the vine's growing more there, so I need to clear out some space there. It's growing more over here, so I need to clear out some space over there. So that's part of the work that we're into this year is adjusting, providing more space for the vine of our church to grow in a healthy way where it has space to grow into. Now, there is a short-term and a long-term solution. Let me just work through both of those. We've got a couple of really, uh, I just think, exciting short-term things that are coming. In the, in the month of August, we're going to do two different things. Here's the first thing. Um, we are going to send Derek Kimes. Is Derek in this service? Here he is, right back here. We're going to send Derek. You saw him in the video. We're going to send Derek and a crew of our people uh, to Burleson to plant Trailview Church. Isn't that an amazing thing that we get to be a part of that? We get stories like that in our church family. So in August, we're going to be sending Derek and a crew of our people out to Burleson uh, to do that. If you know people in Burleson, you need to get them connected to Derek. If you want to move to Burleson and be a part of that, we would love for you to do that. Uh, but that's in August. It's coming our way. And also in August, we're going to start a third service. We'll do three on Sunday morning just to provide more space for the vine of our church to be able uh, to grow. But even more important than the short-term solutions, 2020 is about solving the longer-term sort of space issue for our church family. Uh, to set us up for the next decade or two or three in a way that the vine has places to grow and, and a way to grow that will keep it healthy. And so for that, I'm going to ask Dave Hansen. Dave is one of our elders. Uh, I'm going to ask him to come up and share just a little bit of the story of Stonegate, um, where we've come from and uh, where we are now and kind of what's in front of us, uh, the Lord has been doing some amazing things in and around our church. Just really amazing. And, and some of these things have been year, literally years in the works. 
And, and like God has done so often for our church family, at just the right time, the Lord opens the door uh, for the next thing that he would have for us. And we're definitely in one of those seasons in the life of our church. And Dave is a unique person in so many different ways, but uh, a couple of things I just love about him is he loves the Lord. He loves this church family. And the Lord has given him a really unique just experience in life where when we're solving like space issues for our church family, Dave is just uniquely gifted to do that. So he's been a part of all of those sort of moments in our church's life. So Dave, I would just love for you to share a little bit of that story of where we've come from and where we are now. So Uh, before I, I think so. You know, before I say anything, uh, I have to lead by just saying it's been about nine years here at this church and it is the most humbling thing. I've ever seen in my life just the way God has gone in front of our church. Uh, I, I've been very fortunate to have a front row seat in a lot of those moments, and just God has showed up over and over and over. And like Rodney led with a little bit ago, our life is a vapor, and just to watch what he's doing here and what he's setting up for the next 40, 50, 60 years is yeah. truly astonishing. So uh, a little bit of this will sound redundant to people that have already heard it, and there are several people in here that have, but it's a good story. So I'll kind of start from the beginning. Uh, if you're new to the church, you may think this church has been here a long time. It has not. It's mm-hmm. been about a year that this church stood here. So around eight years ago, we uh, were able to secure a one-year deal with the Midlothian Conference Center. And they were super clear on that. They said, we will never go longer than one year. We're not set up to do that. And in fact, we had just asked the previous church to step down at the one-year mark. So hearing that, we asked them for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was so interesting. So we met with their, their business board and asked for seven years, and they were very clear we weren't going to get it. And in the midst of that, it, just, it was astonishing. God just showed up. And right as we were talking, they said, you know what? I don't have a problem with seven years. So we ended up with a seven-year deal at the conference center, which allowed us to really grow, and it acted as a great church for us. So about the five-year mark, we said we better get something lined up because this will come to an end. We started to think about how do you retrofit a building, Maybe you buy a piece of land. There's no buildings in Midlothian to retrofit. Uh, there was just nowhere to go. So the next step was let's buy a piece of land. And we began to look, and we found a great piece of land, 12 acres at the corner of George Hopper and 14th Street, if you're familiar with that. That is also the area known as the Midtown uh, Development for Midlothian, one of their premier development sites. And we thought, what a great spot for a church. 12 acres right on the corner. And uh, so we contracted on that for $800,000, bought it, thought it was a great deal. The day we closed on that, this is what we said. If we're going to be people of faith and we're going to be open-handed and these things are God's things, then we need to put this back up for sale. So the day we bought it, we put it back for sale. And uh, I think a few eyebrows were raised at that moment. (laughs) Uh, But we said this is the right thing to do. And our conversation was if God wants to sell it, it's his, fine. We'll do that, and we'll find another piece of property. If he doesn't, we'll build here. So as soon as we said that, we began to look around for space, and in the midst of looking, sure enough, we get a phone call. We would like to buy your 12 acres. We had it on the market for $3.50 a foot, and in the midst of a one-minute conversation, Spirit just led us to raise that price to $5.50 a foot, and here's the entire negotiation. It's now five fifty a foot, and on the other side, okay, and they contracted for 550 a foot. So that piece of ground we bought for 800 grand became $2.7 million in about a year. And we began to look for land, came over here to this site. We had actually looked up and down 287. There was nothing that we could afford earlier. 
And uh, I remember it was just after sunrise one morning. I drove up here in my pickup truck about where the fireplace sits out here. Got out of the truck, looked back down towards 287. I thought, gosh, could this, could this be where you want us? God prayed about it. Got on the phone 10 minutes later, called the owner of the property, said, uh, why are you calling me? I said, well, you know, we'd be interested in buying your land. And he said, no, I get that, but who told you to call me? I said, nobody. He said, man, that is uncanny. One hour ago, I cut the price on that piece of property in half. And so within 10 minutes, I called Rodney. I said, you better come out here and take a look at this. We called a bunch of our other leaders in the church, and everybody agreed. And 24 hours later, we had a contract on this 13 acres. Now, we can put the slide up. If you see the overall 23 acres, the 13 acres is the one that we bought first. The 10 acres, we then said, gosh, we better have access off Walnut Grove, the way it's going out here. We're going to need that access. We want our people to be able to get in and out. So uh, we have access on 287. Let's buy the 10 acres. So we walked down here to the smart stop, which is this gas station, walked into their office and uh, said to them, uh, you know, how much do you want for that piece of property? And they said, well, 350 a foot, we wouldn't take a nickel less. Rodney and I were there together, wouldn't take a nickel less. And we said, we're thinking $1 a foot. Uh, which, you know, that's like you having a $200,000 house and somebody offers you 60 grand. You know, they don't just normally jump on that, so, and they didn't. Uh, but we left there and said, you know what, we get it. Just pray about it and we'll get back. And two days later, we bought that piece of land for $1.25 a foot, which is crazy. This is arguably the best corner within 20, 30 miles. And let me, just, let me just take one minute to expand on this location and why it's such an incredible location. So if you're familiar with Midlothian, and you may or may not be, we have three high schools within five minutes of where we sit here right now. We have Midlothian to the west. We have Heritage, literally two minutes up the road. And we have Waxahachie High School, which at that time was just getting underway, uh, but has now been fully built and that's maybe five minutes that direction. So we have three major high schools within five minutes of our location right here. The second thing, uh, if, if you see that where it says 1,000 acres, that was known as the Diamond J development. And that sat there forever. It sat there and it was on, it was off, it was on, it was off. But ultimately, if that thing developed, that was going to be 2,000 houses, literally within a stone's throw of our church right here. And uh, at the time, it wasn't underway, but we thought, wow, what if that happens? What is God actually calling us to here? So we just felt like, what an awesome spot. So then we began to think, you know, what kind of church do you build? And for the record, I've said this multiple times, there's no manual you pick out and say, well, here's the formula. You build X church. So we prayed and prayed and prayed about that. And the church you're sitting in right now is the uh, outcome of those prayers. And we said, golly, with 23 acres, if we don't grow anymore, we could push the church up to the top of the site and leave all these outer nine acres for future pad sites that we could sell. And our heart, if, if you're new, our heart at this church from day one has been, we want to plant other churches. We want to see children adopted into Christian homes. We want to help single mothers. Uh, you saw it in the video, Jeff talked about it. Just opportunities to help people build things, glorify God in our community. So we thought, God, if we could have those nine pads, we don't grow anymore, we'll sell those and use those for God's work. So here became the next conversation. When we built the church, we gave us the opportunity to expand it twice. Uh, we've talked about that, I won't go into that right now. But if we went to our maximum expansion, it would require all of those nine pads out there for parking. And uh, you know, sitting here today, we're full. We've been full already both services. 
that's a very likely possibility that we ultimately have to go to that, that third expansion. So we then said, this feels a little bit crazy to park on these pads out here when land right up the street at the Kroger Center is going for $20 a square foot for pad sites. And we might even have a better corner than that. So you start walking through that and you say, my gosh, at $20 a foot, that's $9 million of pads sitting around here. We should think about maybe buying another piece of land that would allow us to do our parking. So if we can add up the next slide. So if you see this 145 acres all the way around us, uh, we came in and said the ideal thing for our church to do to put ourselves in a spot where God could use us for the next 50 years and cement that future would be to buy that 40 acres that you see outlined out on that 145. So about two and a half years ago, we made an offer on that 40, did everything we could to buy it. It was owned by the Draft Root Beer Estate. And we offered ultimately $3.8 million for 40 acres, a little bit over $2 a foot, which was still a steal based, basically uh, based on the fact that it's right on highway fringe, and we would get another several pads out of that. But they turned us down cold, said, no, that's not going to happen. We have no interest. We might have an interest in selling the whole 145, but not the 40. So we walked away with that a little bit discouraged, thinking, you know, certainly God wants us to have that. But we said, okay. So with that in mind, we said we better do the next thing. Uh, let's see the next slide. If you see the 33 acres here, we said we better at least cement in the future, whatever that looks like. Plan B became that 33 acres. We said not ideal because it's across the street, but we could set a parking lot on the back eight acres of that and then shuttle people across the street. And, you know, when people hear that, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But we said to ourselves, is it not better for our people to walk across the street or come across in a shuttle and have the money available to plant churches? And the answer was a resounding, that's what we should do. So we bought that piece of property, thought it was a, a great setup for our future. And, uh, and then... Oh, about August of this year, they called us back and said, well, we might be interested in selling the 40 acres. Uh, so we went back into negotiations, and once again, we walked all the way to the end of that. In fact, my last call from them, I thought was a call that said, was going to say, come pick up the contract, you have a deal. Instead, what happened, they said, you don't have a deal any longer. Let's see the last slide here. We just sold off the 70 acres to the north of you, and we're not interested in selling you 40 acres. So... I, in, in all honesty, it was frustrating. I thought, what are you doing, God? And we talked a lot about writing about this frustrating. Why would you not give us that land? So here's what's happened. And again, I, I hope people feel the gravity of this. When God has just one time after another walked in front of us, one time after another. And I've said this in other meetings. You know, the Bible is full of miracles, but he has given us our own miracles. He's building our own story like Rodney let off with today. We have our own story that we're called to be a part in. So here's what's happened. Uh, about a month ago, we opened negotiations again, and we signed a contract on not 40 acres. We signed a contract on 75 acres for the same $4 million we offered on the 40 acres. So we now have 75 acres. It, it's a moment to clap. It, <laughs> it, really, it really is. Yeah. 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 And, and, and let me be super clear. I would love to claim some kind of brilliant negotiation that razzle-dazzled them and we got sick. That is not what happened. I'm not sure what happened. All I know is we now have 75 acres, and, and it's what we were going to pay for it. So here's the beauty of this. I, I explained how we had the George Hopper land, and God actually used that. We generated $2.7 We bought this land, allowed us to begin to build this church. 
And in spite of us wanting that 40 acres so bad, here's what God's actually done. He allowed us to buy the 33 acres, uh, and we will be able at some point to sell that to fund this whole 75 acres. And here's where it gets really exciting. That original Diamond J development, the 1,000 acres, that was just approved a month ago. And they will now be building on that in the next year. I was just talking to a man. They will be underway on that in the next two, three, four months. So we will now have 2,000 houses literally sitting across our street. That 70 acres to the north that we thought uh, we might want someday, that's now going to be another 200 homes. We have probably another 600 homes to the north of us. And all of the land between our church all the way into Waxahachie is raw land that will ultimately be houses. If you know anything about uh, real estate, when you plant high schools, houses get built around them. So we're sitting in a spot where we literally could see an entire city drop on our doorstep. So we're sitting here at this moment, uh, staggered beyond belief, humbled beyond belief. And I can tell you there's been so much prayer go on over these pieces of land and what would God want. And he's provided all of the means for us ultimately to be debt-free, put ourselves in a position where we can do anything with this land. He's given us the nine pad sites around, the, around us, plus probably another eight pad sites on that piece of property that ultimately easily be worth over $10 million and the piece of land that will pay for this whole 75 acres. So if you're in quiet time tonight or tomorrow, you should thank God. It is a staggering thing what he's done. And, you know, as I think through that, I'll just share a little bit. Uh, my mother passed away this week. I was at her gravesite yesterday, and I stood at the edge of her grave. And actually, Rodney spoke about it. There's going to be a moment I, you want to play the part that God's called for you. And I stood there, and I thought, what a poignant moment to recognize we can't take anything with us. My mother left with nothing, but we can send things forward. And I've said this in the first service. I challenge our men in here again. I know for myself as a man, I've always wanted to be part of something significant. I think all men want to be part of something significant, either building something of their own or participating in something of great value. This life goes by. It is a vapor. My mom is gone. I'll be next. And I challenge men in this room to understand the part that God is calling us to play in this moment, on this corner, in this city. It is actually epic what God is doing. And uh, our opportunity to be part of that, to cross over one day into heaven and say, man, I got to play a part in what you are doing at Stonegate. Whatever part that may be, uh, what a great thing to be able to say just what Rodney talked about with David. I played the part that God put in my life. And, yeah. and that's, my, that's my hope for this whole body as I pray about it, that we would be just so open-handed. Yeah. We would be a church who was epically generous with what God's given us. We've tried to lead that way of being open-handed with everything mm -hmm. God's given us. So my prayer is that this is a moment that we recognize that God's calling this church to things that would impact this community greatly. Yeah. So I'll end with that. Yeah, you bet. You bet. It really is an amazing story. When I think back, yeah. <clears throat> As soon as we realize that to preserve the nine pad sites for church planting and, and whatever the Lord would call us to do, we just want to be able to say yes. And to preserve those nine pad sites that we had a space problem, that 40 acres was always the thing. And to now watch the Lord bring that whole thing back around for exactly what we offered years ago for it, but for it not to be 40, but, but 75, it's just been such, I, there's, I just can't believe the Lord's done all that. It's such, it's such an amazing thing, and I think in a lot of ways it sets our church family up for the next 
um, few decades of just being positioned perfectly for whatever the Lord wants uh, for our church family. And so th- this is where we are. Uh, we signed that contract back in uh, kind of mid-December, December 12th. And we spent uh, the last month really working this out. Like, is this a good idea? We invited a lot of our leaders into it, 70, 80 of our leaders around the table to think these things through, to process these things, to uh, let people speak into it. And after all those meetings, we left and our elders just were in unanimous agreement that moving forward was the right answer, that it's the right answer for our church family. So in light of that, uh, you don't have to take any notes with what I'm about to say, what we're about to to give you. Uh, On your way out, we're going to give you a kind of a one-page sheet that will have all these things on here and more. Uh, But let me just try to answer a couple of questions about uh, this really briefly. Number one, how will we pay for this? The, it's not 70, it's 75 acres. How will we pay for the 75 acres? Well, there is a short-term and a long-term um, answer to that. Uh, the long-term answer, Dave mentioned a minute ago, we have an asset in our 33 acres that will more than pay uh, for the 75 acres that we're in the middle of purchasing. So the long-term answer is pretty simple, uh, you know, as it lays out. The, the short-term answer is a little more difficult, and here's the difficulty of it. It requires another step of faith for our church family. That's what it requires in the short term, another step of faith for our church family. And just to to kind of even open up our heart uh, for our church, I think it's important for you to know that like we pray often that the Lord will not let us go long without requiring faith. We just don't want to be a church that is um, comfortable like that. We want to be a place where we are open to the Lord asking things from us all the time and for us, for it to actually require faith to say yes. And this is another one of those moments where, where the Lord is answering that prayer, giving us another step of faith for us to lean into. And so we're scheduled to close um, on that 75 acres on April the 12th. And to close on that property, we would need a minimum of 20%, which would be $800,000. So that's kind of the short and long-term solutions as we move forward. So question number two, what, what would that mean is our next step? So what's the next step for our church family? Uh, to purchase this piece of property, it would mean that we're entering into a three-month season, roughly uh, January 12th to April 12th, a three-month season of generosity. And seasons like this are just crucial. They have been crucial in the life of our church. Um, The reason we're sitting here like this today is because of these seasons in our past. And this one is crucial to the life of our church. So to close on that piece of property, three months from now, uh, we would need a minimum of $800,000. But I think it's just important for you to know we're asking the Lord for about half of the purchase price of this property, which would be a couple million dollars uh, to put down on this piece of property. Now, let me just say a couple of things about a three-month generosity initiative. And here's the, the, probably the first and most important. If someone were to come tomorrow and uh, give Stonegate an $800,000 check, if that, if that were to happen, I, it's really important you, for you to know how we would respond to that moment. The first thing I would do is cry. That's the first thing. <laughs> and then the second thing I would do is thank God for that. And then the third thing I would do, even, even though that just happened, uh, the third thing is, we would still do this three-month generosity initiative. We would still do it. And here's why we would still do it. Um, I am a pastor. So in the end, I really don't care about property. I care about people. And the goal of any generosity initiative like this is never, and I just want to stress this, it's never an amount raised. That is never the primary goal. That is always so secondary 
The, the, the primary goal is always in every one of these moments for the Lord to cultivate in the heart of our church a heart that's willing to walk by faith. That's always the goal. Every time it's the goal. Every single time. It, it, this is the reason we would still do it is because the goal is, God, would you please make us people? and Would you make us into a church like this willing to walk by faith? This is the reason that, that we can stand in front of you with integrity and say in any generosity initiative like this, um, we're not doing this because we want something from you, but we want something for you. That's the reason. Namely, that God would cultivate in you and me and our church a heart that's willing to walk by faith. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Here's the ask in a generosity initiative like this, in, in this three-month initiative. For every person that makes up our church family, so if this is your church home, for, for every person that, that, that is a part of this church family, to get before the Lord with an open heart. I want to stress that, with an open heart, a heart wide open to Jesus, and ask this question. Uh, Jesus, would you give me a number over these three weeks that would represent extraordinary sacrificial generosity for the next three months? Would you just show me that number? Would you do that for me? And again, that's between roughly now and April the 12th. Would you show me a number that represents extraordinary generosity over the next three months? And let me just um, try to clear up what it means to have an open heart and a closed heart. Here's what it looks like to come with a closed heart toward God. Everything that's really valuable to us, and we all have our things in our life that are really valuable, the things we're really depending on in life, everything that's really valuable, we lock in the chest behind us and we put like nine locks on it so no one gets to it but it stays back there, then we bring to God the things that are negotiable. This is how most of us come before the Lord most of the time. God, here's the things we can talk about. These things we can't, here are the things we can talk about. And coming before the Lord with an open heart means we unbuckle the chest, unlock it, we take all the things that we're actually depending on in life for, and we throw those on the table before God, and we say, God, you can make the call on all of these things. Every single thing that you've entrusted to me, you're my maker. You're the one that's given me these things. So you can make the call on everything that you've given me. That's what it looks like to come before the Lord with an open heart. And that's what we want to challenge every single person in our church to do. And if every person, and by the way, that is a great normative practice for us to do. This is how we keep from being the rich young ruler, right? Is we get everything before the Lord and say, God, what would you want me to do? And here's what I'm so confident in. When a people will do that, when a whole church does that, I think the Lord will send a mini revival for that church because the Lord just loves to meet his people when they're willing to walk by faith. And then I think the Lord would probably give us everything we need to take the next step of faith. I think all those things happen when a people get before the Lord like that. So let me just clarify that ask again. It's that everyone that calls this church family uh, their home would get before the Lord with an open heart and ask the Lord for a number that represents extraordinary generosity for the next three-month period. And one quick clarification, this came up a lot in our family meeting this last Sunday, is how, well, how do we go about giving? Uh, we do a one-fund approach in any sort of a moment like this, which just means we don't set up a special kind of way to give or any of those things. We as a church will just be as skinny as possible over the next three months, and everything given above sort of our ministry operating expenses will all be designated to kind of make this moment go in the life of our church. So that's the ask. All of us, open-hearted before the Lord, Asking for, for the Lord to give us clarity on what that number would be over the next three months. Anything you want to add there, Dave? Or, yeah. I, I just think these are moments sometimes our flesh immediately says, well, I participated in this before, I'm out. And, and I, I would just pray for all of us that we would put that back in front of the Lord and say, what do you really have for me? 
Yeah. Uh, I personally love these moments, and, mm -hmm. and it always starts that way. I don't want to do it again. But, man, just the, as I said earlier, the opportunity to be used by God, be a sharp tool in his hand, yeah. and that's all of us. This church is everybody in these rooms. It's not these walls. It's not this mm -hmm. land. It's this church. And the thought that we could be a incredibly generous church, and for the record, we have already done that. We have mm -hmm. been generous. We've helped a great many adoptions and single mothers and yep. people that needed things that's our heart here so when i think about this next moment as ronnie said even if that eight hundred thousand was there we would still do it I, and i know i need this for my heart to be pushed to become a man that's faithful with what god's given me and when we do that we open our hands we're just a really powerful tool in yep. his hand yep you bet so let me finish here and, and we'll be done for the day uh i want to finish by just answering this question what is our biggest fear for our church family What's our biggest fear? And here's the simple answer to that. That somewhere along the way, we would be as a church family unwilling to risk. That we would just lose our willingness to walk by faith. We would lose our willingness to say yes to Jesus to the next thing. That, that we would grow unwilling to do that. And listen, that, 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 that default is in every one of our hearts. There's a default in us all that looks up at God and says, God, I've already done X, Y, and Z. Why, why are you asking me to do more? Could you please just back off for a minute, God? That, that is in us all. It's in my heart. It's in Dave's heart. It's in all of our hearts. That's the voice of the flesh. It's that, that, that voice from the old man, that, that old sinful part of us that distrusts God, that, that would love for really the purpose of our life to be built around comfort and ease, not around the purposes of God. It's that, that voice of the flesh but opposite that voice of the flesh is the voice of God that's always prodding us and encouraging us and moving us toward whatever the next step of faith that Jesus would have us uh, in. It, it, that, that voice of the Spirit in us is, is always pressing us and moving us to the next risky thing for Jesus. This is why we often say that walking by faith is war. It is all-out war, and because it's war, so many people, and therefore so many churches, somewhere along the way, draw the line between them and God and just say, God, no more. I'm out. I've done everything I'm going to do. Don't ask me to do another thing. And church, I think it's good for us to know this. The moment any church says no to God, the moment a church does that, that is the very moment they say yes to their eventual death. The, the moment we as a church start saying no to God, that is the exact moment we start saying yes to our eventual death. I don't want to die that way to you. I don't want our church to die that way. In the end, there are only two options in this life. Either we will risk for Jesus' sake or we'll waste. We'll either risk or we'll waste. Those are the only two options. And if those are the only two options, church, is there really two options for us? Are there really two? No, there's not two options if those are the only options. God is writing that big story and he's inviting us into it. He's calling us into that big story, that story that's all about Jesus. And he's saying, I'm giving you a little part right now to play. You're vapor of a life. I'm inviting you in. I've got parts for you to play, things for you to do in this, in this moment, in this time, at this kind of moment in history. This is your time to, to play a part. So if, if that's true, may we as a church be a people willing to risk 
willing to say yes to everything Jesus puts before us, willing to, to chase after Jesus, chase after all that he would have for us, every single thing that he would want our story to be about, that we would say yes to all of that so that one day like David, and it's coming sooner than we would dream, one day like David, we can fall asleep with a smile on our face knowing that we have served God's purpose in our generation. Wouldn't that be amazing? So church, can we pursue that together, lean into that together? Amen? Let's pray. I want to give you just a moment to allow the Spirit of God to press into you what would be helpful this morning to wipe away the things that wouldn't be and You know, like David, our time of falling asleep, that is just coming oh so soon. Our life really is a vapor, and we're going to breathe once, and we're going to find ourselves before our maker, King Jesus. And are you ready for that moment? Are you ready for that moment? And part of what it means to be ready for that moment is that you are right with Jesus. And here's the thing. If you're not right with Jesus, it really isn't going to matter what else you're right about. So has there been that sort of decisive moment where you have pushed your life across the line with Jesus, where you have thrown your life upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Has that moment happened? Are you right with God? If not... God stands ready this morning to welcome you into his family. You can just, there where you are, say to God, God, I am giving you my life. I am trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Here I am, take me. And he would love to do that today. And if you have pushed your life in with Jesus, Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead so that now you in your short vapor of a life can play your part in the story. And we know for the next three months that generosity is going to be a part of that story for the next, you know, three months. But 2020 has all sorts of things the Lord's going to be asking each of us to do that's distinct. Maybe that's taking a next step in marriage. Maybe that's toward um, orphan care, adoption, fostering. But he's going to have things he wants us all to do. So maybe this would be a great moment for you before the Lord just to, to in a fresh way, offer your life to him again. Say, God, whatever you want, whenever you want it, my answer is yes. It's yes. So, God, would you take us there this morning? God, would you do that in us this morning? And it's in the good name of Jesus that we ask that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church. A podcast is never meant to replace gathering with your church to hear the preaching of the Bible. So we want to encourage you to be part of a local church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m and would love for you to join us as we enjoy Jesus together.